0: Go ahead and begin turning there. 1 Thessalonians is where I will be today. Um, one of my favorite books in the Bible. But you know, before I go to 1 Thessalonians, I've thought about a scripture, a text that is dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. Before I read 1 Thessalonians, I'd like for you to listen to the words of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, I could think of no better way today to, to preach this message to you than to center it on the fact that God's Word and His Spirit are powerful. I've wondered and thought about it quite a lot this week how and what will I say to you today? And the best thing that I can, the Lord led me to and I can come up with only with his help is the understanding of how powerful God's word is when it is being led and illuminated by his spirit. You know today the word without the power of the spirit can lead to nothing more than legalistic life. But when the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together, there's power. There's the ability for God to do things that we can never think or imagine. My prayer for you into the future is simply this, for every person, is that as this world continues its path, that you will continue to fight the fight and continue in the Word of God and in the power of God's Spirit. Because that's our hope. That's our encouragement. There is nothing in this world that is as pure, that it is righteous, that is a better God than God's Word. We can trust a lot of things in this world. You can trust things and ideas and even people, but none of us are perfect. Above everything else, we must trust Christ, his word, and the leadership of his Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to need more and more as these days move forward. I don't often do this. I normally preach expository, which means I take a passage of Scripture and I just preach it. As one preacher said years ago, I just try to squeeze as much as I can out of it through with God's help. But this morning I'm going to do things a little differently. I want you to look with me in the, starting in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to read some select verses through this book. And they all pertain to what I just said to you. It pertains to what happens when God's Word and God's Spirit does His work, does their work in our lives. Chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Look with me. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but say it with me, in what? But also in power. And in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance. How many of you today need assurance? i me tell you where you can find it. It ain't going to be on the TV. It ain't going to be on the newsstand. It ain't going to be in magazines. It ain't going to be in, in, in Hollywood. It's going to be found in God's Word. That's where the power is. And he says, with much assurance, as you know what kind of man we were among you, for your sake. He says the gospel that we preach to you was not just a bunch of things that you legalistically follow in your life. It is the words that will literally quite literally transform your life. Are you letting God's Word today transform your life? I talked with someone this week. We had a discussion and he said, Preacher, I don't think God's Word is transforming my life. And I said, Why do you think that is? He says, I don't know. I, I, I do this, and I do that, and I do this. And I said, Well, let me ask you something real simple. Do you study the Bible? Well, no. <laughs> How in the world can God speak to you if you don't read His Word? If you don't know His Word? If you don't study it in... As Paul said in the scripture says, just like when you're hungry or when you're thirsty, you drink a cold glass of water. How many of you know what it's like to cut grass all day or something and get that cold glass of water? Man, you're just thirsty, you're ready for it. Man, that's how we ought to feel about God's word. I don't care whatever it is that's in your life that's important to you, God's word ought to be twice as important to you than anything else. And he says that you received the power of the Holy Spirit... And assurance. Because the gospel message in Jesus Christ was preached to you and given to you among men. Listen. Without the truth of the gospel, the good news, we have nothing. And in so many cases today, the good news has become bad news. We have to stick to the good news, the truth. Look with me in chapter 2, verse 13. Excuse me, chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. It says, But as we have, approved by, have been approved by God to be entrusted with you the gospel. In other words, that gospel was entrusted to them, and now they were entrusting it to others. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men. How many of you know today that the whole goal of the Christian life is not to please people, it is to please God? He says, we walked among you, we did not seek to please you, we sought to please God. And he says, to please men, but God who tests the heart. You know why sometimes people don't read the Word of God? Because when they do, it tests the heart. It shows you what is in your own life. It causes you as a Christian to reflect upon your life. The Word of God wasn't just given to inform us, it was given to test the heart to show us who we really are without Christ, and to show us that we need him more every single day. Do you read the word of God today? Does it test your heart? Does it show you and reveal to you what is really in your life? Chapter 2, verses 13, verse 13 Chapter 2, verse 13. As you can see, this is is literally how this book is tied together. The truth and the spirit. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, notice what it says here. He said, received. He didn't say, hear it. He didn't just say, think about it. He said, receive it. That is a very important word in the Bible. When you received the word of God, which, is, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the words, listen to me, as the words of men, but as is in truth. The word of God, look at what it says, also effectually works in you who believe. So this morning we see that he's saying that the Word of God is powerful and it is able to transform and bring assurance into our life. And it is able to show us and to examine our heart and to show us who we are. But then he goes even a step further and he says, but the Word of God and the power of the Spirit enables the Word to get down into the heart. James says, don't be a hearer of the Word, but a what? A doer of the Word. How is that possible? The Bible says it's because God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit is effectually working in you today. My question to you today is simple. Today and throughout this week and the months and years ahead, as long as God gives us on this earth, are you gonna let God's word effectually work and transform and change your life? Is the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God working together in your life to change you, to make you more like Christ, to make you more like him in your character and in your mindset and in your life. Look with me at chapter three, starting in verse 12. Chapter three, starting in verse 12, it says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your heart blameless, look at this, in holiness before our God and the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You know what the Word of God and the Holy Spirit does in the Christian life? It, cre- it creates Christ-likeness and holiness. You know, I, if I haven't said this a thousand times since I've been here, y'all you know, were sick of hearing it, and I'm sure. I'm going to say it one more last time. Listen to me. When God shows up, things change. When God isn't showing up, things stay the same. He's saying here, and he's using terminology of holiness, saying that in this life, God is bringing about, now listen to me, no one in this life will ever be made holy, but we are to be more holy and more like Christ today and yesterday and then then next week and next year than we were the year before because the word of God and the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And it transforms affectionately, working of the heart. To change from the inside out. You know what happens is the world gets it backwards. I get it backwards sometimes too. I'm not throwing stones. <clears throat> but what we try to do and the world tries to do is is we try to dress up the outside. We try to fix the way we look and we try to fix the how we act and we are careful how we act around this person or that person, and we live a certain way, and then we come to church, and we live a different way, and we try to show people that we're different, but let me tell you something. That ain't how it works. What happens is that God begins on the inside to bring change, and people have asked me, and in my own life, I struggle with it. Why is it that I want to change, but sometimes it feels like it's just a warfare? It's because it is. Read Romans chapter 7. It tells you all about it. Read Ephesians chapter 6. It tells you all about it. It's a warfare that's in your life, and you need God to be bringing about his character, his strength, his truth in you day by day it's not something that we do on our own it's god's work that we participate in we participate in jesus looked at the religious leaders in his day and man i wish we could get that image in our mind because if there was ever a pharisee in the world back in those days there was one they'd love to be talked about they love to be seen they love to be heard they would dress And they had all the money and they had all the education and they had everything they thought was going to make them so close to God. And Jesus looked at them. And if they walked down the street, they expected you to pay attention to them because they were holy people. Let me tell you something. Jesus looked at their heart and he said, you are a whitewashed wall. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. What matters the most is what God is doing on the inside. On the inside. This text tells us that it is God's will. Look at chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It is God's will to sanctify or to change us. Chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord... Jesus, that you should abound more and more. What that term literally means is you are to grow and to abound more and more in your faith. There is a progression progression in the Christian life from who you used to be to who you're becoming in him. To abound more and more, just as you receive from us who you ought to walk to please God. How many of you know today that The word of God and the Holy Spirit shows up. The gospel message is preached. The truth and the Spirit gets a hold of somebody's life. And not only does it change what you believe and what you think, it changes how you walk. It changes how you live. If your faith is not a faith that changes your daily life, then you better examine your faith. And I've said it again, and I'll say it one last time. If your faith doesn't, isn't able to change you here, it isn't a faith that will ever get you to heaven. The whole book of James is written about that one thing. That there is real faith, and then there's false faith. And sometimes it's hard to tell the two apart. How do you tell the difference between a genuine faith and a false faith? James says... It's by your works. I'm not saved by works. You're never going to be saved by works. But what the Bible says and what Jesus said, even when he walked upon the earth, that when the word goes out, some people receive the word and the persecutions in life causes them to kick it out and they won't receive it. Some people, because they love the world more than God, they will not receive the word and they will live their life for the world, then there's some people who will hear the word and receive the word and accept the word, and the word will produce some measure of fruit in their life. You see, Jesus was saying the same thing that Paul was saying here. The exact same thing. He's saying that it changes your walk, for you know that you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord. In other words, whatever God has given you through the preaching or teaching of the Word, whatever you have been given through your private study with God, you are now accountable for that truth. Some people are changed by it. Some people harden their heart to it. Look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. But it didn't change God's Word, did it? But it hardened his heart. He says that we are, we are now being commanded by God's word through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3, chapter 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God did not save you just to take you to heaven. He saved you to clean you up that you might be a witness to a lost and dying world before you get home. Before you get home. God disciplines his children, right? If you love your children, you're disciplined too. I was around somebody a few days ago and, and their child was running all over the place and saying crazy stuff and calling his mama stupid and I just wanted to I just wanted to politely what my child. I couldn't say much, couldn't do much. But let me tell you what I wanted to do. I wanted to grab that child and let him know how wrong it would be to call his mama stupid. See, that's the problem today. There's no discipline. But let me tell you something. Just as sickening as that is, it's equally as sickening when we don't let God discipline us and change us and make us different and make us more like he wants us to be instead of what the world wants us to be. He says, it is God's will for that you be sanctified. In other words, to be set apart, to be changed. That word has three or four meanings. I won't go through them all, but I want to tell you one of the words that, that it calls is, is holiness. Where you see holiness in the Bible, it usually is a close association to this word, sanctification. And the other side of it is to be set apart. To be different. To be in the world, as Jesus said, but not to be of the world is what God's will is for you. If you ever want to debate or kind of wonder about what God's will for you is, you might have to pray about what job he wants you to have and what he wants you to do in your life with this decision and that decision. You might have to, and I would encourage you to do that before you make any decisions. Listen, you might have to do that, but listen, let me tell you what his will is for you already. and You don't even have to pray about it because it's right here is his will to change and transform you by the power of his word and through the power of his spirit. You don't even have to pray about that one whether it is his will or not. It is his will. You might have to pray a lot about how to make that happen in your own life. But you don't have to question or wonder whether that's what God wants for you. God wants for you is to be transformed, to be renewed. A little more every day. How? By his spirit and through his word. I want to read this chapter and then I'm going to be done. This chapter I am convinced that if we could get it right in our own hearts and get it right within the church it would absolutely transform. I believe this is one of the best images of what the church is supposed to be in the end times before Jesus comes. This is this right here is so much, there's no way. There's 10 sermons here, but I'm going to read it. And I just, I just want you to read it with me, and I just want you to think about what's being said. And I want you to let God and the Holy Spirit teach you, because there might be one piece of this that, that you need more than I need, and there's a piece I need more than you. So what we're going to do today is we're going to read the Word, and I'm going to read through this chapter, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to quicken our hearts, to transform us, to show us, To to draw us unto himself, just as we just read about, through his word. But the context of chapter 5 is that he's telling them things concerning the end times and concerning the season that they're living through. So he's telling them how to live. So he's telling us today how to live in the world that we're in, presently. People say the word of God has no application today. Well, I, I would differ to say that's completely and totally a lie from the devil. Uh, I believe it does in every way. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need, for I have already written to you. In other words, he says, the things that I have explained to you about the, the coming of the Lord and other things that are mentioned in Thess- first and second Thessalonians, he says, I ain't even going to get into that with you because you already know. But what I want you to know is this, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. How many of you know today that Jesus said it, the Bible says it all and all over the place, that people on this earth, let me tell you what they're going to do until the Lord comes. They're going to do exactly what comes natural to them. They're going to live exactly like the world and they're going to think it's foolish that when the Lord comes, it's just going to be like a thief coming and stealing something and you never saw him coming. People are going to sit in a daze wondering what just happened and why is this thing's changing? And where did this happen? How did, how did we not know the Lord was coming? That's how it's going to be for some. He says, And when they say peace and safety, in other words, when they've kicked it back and said, You know what, we got this thing, as my grandfather used to say, we got the bull by the horns, baby. I don't never understood that because I never seen a bull I wanted to have by the horns because his head and I don't know how that controls a bull very much. I know it does, but I don't want to try it. But people are sitting back and they're saying, you know, we got the bull by the horns and and we can guide him wherever we want. We can do, hey, we got life figured out. Listen, and in the twinkling of an eye, they're going to realize that sudden destruction will come upon them just as labor pains comes upon a pregnant woman and there will be no way of escape. People ask me and they say to me, why in the world do we evangelize? Why do we preach? Why do we teach? Why do we, why do we grow each other up in the faith? There, there it is. I can tell you why. That's one great reason. Because if you don't reach people, if we don't go out here and tell them, this is what's going to happen to them. If they're on this earth or if they go in the grave, either way, they're going to face it. Sudden destruction where there is no escape to those without Christ. And he says, that's exactly how it's going to be. And he was reminding him in verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. How many of you can say amen? If you didn't know Jesus Christ today, you're not in darkness. And he says, but he reminds them, and he transitions it, and he says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, I believe that before that day happens, God's going to call his children home. And the world's gonna be looking around going, where did Bob go? Where did, where did John go? Where did Steve go? Where did him go? Where did the church go? And you know what they're gonna say? Now we can do anything we want. Ain't nobody to even preach at us no more. Ain't nobody to talk to us about the Lord no more. Hey, that's a good thing. I'm glad they're gone. It's hard to believe people are going to be that way, but that's exactly what's going to happen. They're not going to grieve your loss, their loss with you. They're going to be celebrate the fact that we're gone until sudden destruction comes upon them and there's no way of escape. Judgment. So he reminds them of how it's going to be. If you ever needed a motivation to evangelize and reach people, no matter how many times you succeeded or how many times you failed, read that verse, because that's the future for those without Christ. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that the day should not overtake you as a thief. But you are sons of light and sons of the day. You are not of the night nor the darkness. And then look what he says in verse th- next 6. He says, because this is true now, this is how you are to be living. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. This means more to me in my Christian life right now than it ever has because of the condition of the world. That we are to be watchful and sober. And he says, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation. That's how God wants you to live today, not with darkness, not with brokenness, but with hope. Hope. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or whether we sleep, we should live together with him. You know why we better figure out, uh, if we're true believers, why we better figure out how to get along here? Because guess what? If you're a believer and I'm a believer, guess what? We're going to be in eternity together. it'll be best to figure it all out here as much as we can beforehand, right? Therefore, comfort each other, edify or build up one another, and he says, just as you're doing. So, in other words, this church was already doing that. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their sake, For the the work's sake. In other words, make every effort. Every effort. To get along. And make sure you remember the main thing is the main thing. And the main thing is not what I want. It's not what you want. it's It's what Jesus wants. That's the main thing. And at peace among ourselves... Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. In other words, he's saying, if you're out of line, warn those who are out of line, because they will answer for it. Comfort the faint-hearted, those who are weak and need help, those who can't spiritually raise their own arms, those that are fighting battles they can't win on their own, they need their brother, they need their sister, help the faint-hearted, help those who are in need. And hold up the weak. You see, you see the gradual image of somebody who's weak till you finally find the person who can't even stand on their own anymore spiritually. They're broken. And be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for yourself. But notice what it says here. For all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and every good every uh, thing give thanks for this. And again, this is something you ain't got to pray about, whether it's God's will or not. For in everything give thanks, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy or truth. Do not put away truth, but promote it. Preach it, teach it, proclaim it. Truth isn't what you want it to be. Truth is truth. Find the truth of God's word and preach it and teach it and edify and build each other up in the truth. At work, a few weeks ago, I had someone tell me, they said, well, you just believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe. You know what the problem with that is? If every one of us believes something different, who's right? Or is everybody wrong? The only way to know what is right and what is true is for the heart that has been changed by the Spirit to pick up the Word of God and be communicated and illuminated by the Spirit that the truth and the word of God is made light in your heart, and you hold the, that truth with everything you got, because there's ten people around you that tells you you're wrong. Oh, you just believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. The devil smiles. He smiles. I don't want to believe what I want to believe. I want to believe what's true. What's true. And the only way I know what's true is what God has told me and what God has said and what the Holy Spirit teaches. Do not quench the Spirit nor despise the truth but love the truth, cling to the truth, study the truth, fill your heart with the truth. Let the truth be your guide, let it be the beacon in the darkness to show you the way home. Let the truth be all that it's supposed to be to you. And test all things and hold fast to what is good. How many of you know today I'm almost done? Listen, everything in this world is not good. How do you test something? You got it. Somebody come up to you and say, this is what I believe about God. How do you know that's right or wrong? You test it. To what God is saying. What the Holy Spirit teaches. So you test it. Hold fast to what is good. In other words, put away, as he said in other places. Put out what isn't good, bring in the new. Let God constantly forever be renewing you in truth. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. What does it say? To always, constantly, not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. How do you renew your mind? Truth. You show me a person with a Bible that isn't used, I'll show you a person who has a filthy life. That's true. Because there is no other way to live in this world of filth and be holy and strive for holiness and to be sanctified Then, through the Spirit And through the truth. And lastly, he says, abstain from every form of evil. And now may the God of peace, listen, he says it again, may God himself sanctify, that is, grow you up. That's what that means, grow you up in the faith. You completely, that you may, that you may your whole spirit and soul and the body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know if the Lord came today and he showed you your life? Yes, if you are a believer, you will by grace be with him. But is your life today what you want God to see? Is your effort, is your ministry, is your life today what you want God to return and show you? We always talk about the scripture of how God gives us all certain things. and Remember the parable? One buried it all in the sand because he, he was scared to lose it. You know one of the things that so often we bury in the sand first? It's in your hand. It's in your heart. It's in your phone. <laughs> it's in my hand. We bury it in the sand as if it's somehow not important. You say, Preacher, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying the last thing I can say to you. Without truth, you have nothing. Without truth, you can't grow as a Christian. Without truth and faith, you can't please God. How important is the Spirit in the Word of God? Well, that's just a few verses out of an entire book that tells you over and over and over again: cling to the truth. One last scripture, and I'm done. I read it, and I'm going to read it again because this ought to be the theme verse for most Christians' life to grow. All scripture is given by who? By inspiration of God. And it is profitable for what? Doctrine? Truth. Truth and doctrine are the same thing. Throw out doctrine, you've thrown out truth. For reproof and for correction. For the instructions in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped. Are you being equipped today for every good work? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today your word is true. There's nothing about me, there's nothing about my life, Father, that uh, can do what your word and your spirit can do. And Father, I pray today that your word would be made alive in our hearts. That we would realize and understand today that there is nothing that is more important than to live by your truth and do not despise your spirit. Do not quench your spirit. But to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the truth of your word. That is the only way to live the Christian life. That is the only way to grow and to be sanctified in the Spirit. It is the only way to reach lost people. It's the only way to be a light in the midst of the darkness. It's the only way. Father, let our lives be acceptable to you, whether we meet you through death or whether we meet you through the second coming. Let our lives be more than just worldly examples. Let us, our lives, be examples of faith, hope, and love, and your righteousness. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts and in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would always allow the truth to ring true in among these walls. May there never be anything or anyone stand here and deceive your people. But may it be truth that rings forth. Father, I pray that your will be done in our lives and in everything we seek to do for you and through you. Let us cooperate with what you're already doing in our lives. Let us be faithful and obedient. Let us receive your discipline your training that our lives and character may become more like your son, Jesus, Father. And our lives will be a reflection of your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.